question number 51 from the Obsessed with Marvel book. Testing your knowledge of the Marvel Universe. Man, we've been doing a lot of questions since uh, our last recording, Eddie. Uh, yeah, but not from this book. This is only the third one. True, true. We've got a long way to go. Long way to the top if you want this to rock and comes, roll. Oh, oh, okay. We've got from the uh, section of the Fantastic Four. And it says, which of the Submariner's relatives was briefly a substitute member of the Fantastic Four? Choices are A, Bra, which is spelled B-Y-R-R-A-H, B, Marina, and I'll spell that too, M-A-R-R-I-N-A, C, Namorita, N-A-M-O-R-I-T-A, may as well spell them all, or D, Nomora, N-A-M-O-R-A. Which of the Submariner's relatives was briefly a substitute member of the Fantastic Four. Bura, Marina, Namorita, or Nomora? I think it's Namorita. I'm going with Namorita myself. Not the beverage. So we say C, and we are correct. Hey. You know what? Since we got that, this is our third one, let's mm-hmm. do one more. So we get right. an even. It's, it's selecting, and it goes to question 1,454. One, four, five, four. Turn. Arm bar. What? Nothing. <laughs> I, I didn't know what that was. Okay. It looks like it's under the X-Men. So, Ooh. in the Uncanny X-Men number 135. I've read it. That is from 1980. Good stuff. Hot damn, that's good. Dark Phoenix destroyed a member of the alien Dabari race. Dabari is D apostrophe capital B-A-R-I. The asparagus people. Dabari race. Where did the Dabari first appear? Is it the Uncanny X-Men number 101, Fantastic Four number 7, Journey into Mystery number 83, or the Avengers number 4? And this is all from the 60s. So in 135, Uncanny X-Men, Dark Phoenix destroyed a member of the alien Debari race. Now, Journey into Mystery, I believe, was the first appearance of Thor 83, correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah. So where did the Debari first appear? So we're going to eliminate that option. All right, you got Uncanny X-Men number 101, Fantastic Four number 7, or the Avengers number 4. That was the Captain America return. So eliminate Captain America, that Avengers issue as well. So that sounds about right. Okay, Eliminate the X-Men. Because that's a significant issue and an expensive one to get as a back issue. It's still on my wish list. <laughs> so let's try with Fantastic Four number 7, I guess. And that's going to be letter B. Here we go. No. What? It's wrong. It is actually the Avengers number four. Wow. <laughs> to bury this. Okay, that was a terrible well, decision to have us go for a fourth when we just broke the streak. But it's okay. We'll, we'll continue this at the next juncture. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. Yield. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, 
The World at War. And in a full security laboratory, frail Steve Rogers became Captain America, the American super soldier. For four thrilling years, he struck back at the Axis' treacherous attack until a freak stroke of fate threw him into suspended animation to awaken in the mid-1960s, a man 20 years out of his time. Since that day, Captain America has sought his destiny in this brave new world. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into today's topic of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, we want to first let you all know how you can get a hold of us on them, thar social medias. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. And first off, thank you to all 800 plus of you out there that are liking this page. We are going to be doing some very special stuff in the not-too-distant future, and it's going to be little things like giveaways and crap like that. So good crap. You're going to enjoy it. Also, you can find us on the Twitter at The Marvelous. You can also find us on Instagram at The Marvelous. I'm going back over to Instagram. You can follow us individually at Peter Melnick. At EWilson959. And also, you can drop us a line on our email bag, themarvelous at gmail.com. Hey, if it's positivity, constructive criticism, strongly written letters, we're welcoming to all of that. Thank you again for all the likes. We were growing by, by inches and centimeters. Oh, Wait, yeah. that's going the wrong way. Eh. Centimeters and inches and... Uh, and kilometers. Milliliters. Yards. We need a drink <laughs> already. Okay. And on top of that, you can also rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would appreciate it if you five-star this show, let people know you're liking this, share it on social media. And if you can't listen to us on iTunes, hey, there's a wide variety of other options. You can find us on the SoundCloud app, available for all iOS and Android devices. And also, you can listen to us on Stitcher Radio, available, again, for all iOS and Android devices. Now, before we even get into the main topic at hand of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Eddie... Peter. Not much stuff has been going on, although a certain movie got its release date moved up, kind of screwing with us just a little bit. But, well, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people, too. But uh, So that in itself is something that's significant instead of you no, know, not much going on. But, yeah, hearing that at somebody supposedly request to move it up a week, April 27th, new release date for Avengers Infinity War. Now, now I'm wondering, is that going to stay the same for the preview date as well? Because, you know, they always do a preview show in the night before. It should follow suit. That I hope would just so. makes sense. You know, revenue needs to be made, and it will, and I think that will be a good thing. Could be an uproar if it doesn't go work out that way to the night before. I get too tired for uh, midnight showing, so there's no way I'm doing that. The, but they're still having those, right? Because I oh, keep hearing... Yeah. Okay, okay, because it was always... It had to be right after midnight the the night prior, or it had to be on that date. Then somewhere, somebody said, hey, we can do very well if we make, like, you know, the evening before. And it's better. Like, that's how I got to enjoy, you know, Star Wars The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi when those came out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, so. That's, a, that's a change in the times, meeting the public demand, perhaps. But I think it's kind of cool, though, that we're getting this movie a little bit early. Because, to be honest, the Avengers Infinity War hype train has been full speed ahead. Yeah. And, like, this past weekend, I ended up going around, you know, to the different stores, and a ton of the merchandise was available. No question. Absolutely. I think I even saw, if you're into the latest um, 
movie from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you can get an action figure of the Rampage George uh, White Gorilla. Those are already out, too? Yeah, I've seen them. I've but yeah, it. like I saw the entire like set of Marvel Legends uh, Infinity War figures. Then I saw like these little uh, Marvel figures where they're like about maybe like five inches or so. Yeah. And it's like they come with different Infinity Gems. Oh, okay. Wow. The only one that's I cool. got was Star-Lord because, well, you, you know. That's it. That's the only one I need. That's when you grow up, you want to be. <laughs> exactly. You wear the jacket. <laughs> you wear the pants. You wear the tattoo. Exactly. And you just are missing being taken up by aliens. Pretty much. I mean, I'm, I'm that. I'm pretty close to that. Very close. <laughs> but I think it's kind of cool that, you know, the merchandise is in full swing ahead. And if you look at some of the stuff, it is absolutely insane. They, you know, they just released the Marvel Legends Infinity Gauntlet, which someone at this table might have. Um, oh, yeah. that's That would not be me yeah. in this case. Mm-hmm. And then they're actually going to be releasing next year the uh, Marvel Hot Toys because Hot Toys makes the action figures, the super detailed figures. Oh. They're doing an Infinity Gauntlet for that. OMG, G for Gauntlet. And I believe it's roughly going to be about 900 to to $1,000. Oh, no. You know what? Would I love to own it? it yes. Down. Will yes. I? No. Well, maybe that's why they told us now, so that somebody who wants it is going to start saving their nickels and dimes. Pennies, ev- pennies and dimes and quarters and loonies, everything. Oh, my. But I think it's kind of cool that we're going to be just... Loonies. This stuff in general, man, it's absolutely bonkers. I like it. And speaking of things that are absolutely bonkers, Black Panther is now the ninth highest grossing domestic movie of all time. Ninth. Where was it before? I was a lower rating than that. I'm not sure, but I know I know the domestic ratings. I believe are a little bit different than all time because you know you yeah. have to adjust for inflation and yada yada yada. You have to put the bicycle pump in. You know all that stuff. Current, but the currency exchange is skewed. Exactly. You know, there's the loonies and, <laughs> and the loopies. But yeah, man, I think it's it's gonna be really cool seeing the feedback. I mean, when I when I go to you know different stores, I see Black Panther T-shirts for sale and. They're actually harder and harder to get now. Like I see, like you know, maybe one or two left over, and people are hyped. I love it. I happily saw a bunch of the the Black Panther Hasbro Titan Hero series and was able to uh, get a get one of those. There, there had been a previous. Um, you managed to sneak your claws into one. I sure did, and it's different than the one that I previously had because T'Challa is wearing different kind of. Um, I don't know, necklace, neckwear in the original. This new one, of course, has more of the uh, claw teeth, silvery around his neck, and it's all, you know, vibranium. So a little bit different and marketable, just like there's an Eric Killmonger figure as well. They For the Titans uh, series? Yes. I know they did the Avengers again, Infinity War ones again. We're bringing I up. saw a couple of those. I grabbed those, Doctor Strange, um, Black Widow with the lighter hair. How much uh, of a Falcon. turtle does the uh, the Doctor Strange one look like? Because he looks like a tortoise. A t- oh, really? He kind of does. Do no, nah, you know what? I never thought of that. You're thinking of TMNT. And no, I'm thinking of else. a man who looks like a turtle you named Benedict Cumberbatch. sound like you need a pizza and a cowabunga dude in maybe, there as well. Maybe. Just maybe. No, nah, it's a little more than maybe. It's a maybe plus. Maybe plus one? Yeah, sure. What's her name? I don't know. Little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Skinner. What's your name? Ah, uh, I, get, I get you. I was like, wait, what Work the hell? with me. I'm the radio man. Well, sometimes. sing us a song. You're the radio man. Oh, okay. Sing us a song tonight. That's border. That's bordering on well, Weird Al parody of Piano Man. We're just being awful because I'm terrible at singing right now. Yeah, okay. but yeah, I mean the 
hype is, you know, hype for Black Panther is pretty real. And so is, you know, again, Infinity War. Like, we'll circle back over to that. I don't need to have you look it up, but what is the the revenue grossed now? It's past 400. I would I would imagine as much. Yeah, I, the last I saw was that. So according to BoxOfficeMojo.com, right now it is at over five hundred and six million dollars. Halfway, whoa, we're halfway there. Halfway to the yeah, okay, wow, exactly. Living on a per air. <laughs> okay, cool. I get it. It's fine. It's all good. In the hood. Yeah. Don't believe the hype. You're a strange man, Eddie. <laughs> In a good way. Now he figures it out. But I think it is it is cool, though, that, you know, we're getting attention to this character because it is long overdue, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, other ones could come to mind in the genre of, of this, but this is a leading character. You know, you, you can't go to, say, Falcon. He was more of a sidekick kind of thing. A, a more minor character is Black Goliath. So, yeah, there's not too many, you know, pickings in there. And others that have played roles have been not too good guys, like a, a Spider-Man foe, the Rocket Racer. Man. That's going back to the late, That's an mid to late 70s. Character. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's that. What would you say overall is going to be the lasting impact of this character on film? Lasting impact? Well, yeah. Positive, um, strong badass as as needed but uh, of a of a nature that ruling as king he will exercise his power his authority in the capacity that he sees fit not not to be um lording it over anyone by you know pulling rank or doing anything of, of that nature and when he's not being king t'challa he's helping in a superhero capacity he's a team player like we've seen in Civil War, so on. As we're you know, as we're getting closer to our rewatch of Civil War, it's interesting to me that he didn't play as much of a major impact as he should have. But you know, looking back, you know, now, I don't know. I think I'm kind of interested now to give that rewatch because I didn't pay much attention to him when that movie was happening. You know, right? Just to see though him in action and what he could do. At least they showcased. His claws, they did mention, yes, that the suit was made out of vibranium. I don't recall, but we'll remember on the rewatch, bullets bouncing off of him like I positive to, I'm positive that I saw in Black Panther. There's been a meme going around lately, and it's kind of funny to see. It was a picture of Rhodey, and it says, When you remember that Black Panther was on your team but he never gave you any of that spine-healing technology. Oh, yes, yes, I saw that. I'm sorry I didn't mention Rhodey before as being uh, being a sidekick, being a, 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 a sort of a secondary character, yeah. And the thing is, War Machine can be a great, you know, solo character, as evident with, you know, he's had solo series, he's yeah, done couple. this, he's done that. Yep, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely cool, though, to see, you know, the positive feedback that Black Panther has been getting lately. Because how many people that you knew knew of this character before the movie? Well, that's a very small circle to begin with. So, you know, <laughs> talking, talking comic book characters and then going to this level, like, what? Who? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Who? Yeah, see, there's another minor character. The leader of that, that, that rebel gang that, that came up against him. Those outlaws? Yeah. The Guardians of the Galaxy? No. The Ravagers? 
Maybe that's who it was that, that he first encountered and got that who comment from. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? No. I don't know what we're even talking about anymore. <laughs> so I think what that means now is we should get into our discussion of a certain cinematic masterpiece, and I am going to say that for oh. this franchise. This is a masterpiece. Yeah. I'm, I'm letting my opinion known early. This is going to be a very stark contrast from the last two weeks. Yeah. Tony. So, Tony. Tony and Howard. So That's right. And by the way, where's the Mandarin? We never answered that question. Well, we tried. He's like, he's somewhere. He's like at a place, you know. He's doing, here, but he's not here. He's it's complicated. Stuff. He's here, but he's not here. Okay. But yeah. So, Eddie, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, this is, in my opinion, the one sequel that breaks the streak of the bad sequel run. Yeah. Or decent to mediocre se- or mediocre to decent sequel run, if I would say. And it definitely knocked things out of the park, and it's it's a very different tone of movie compared to all the other, you know, films that we've seen. I would say this is more of like a political thriller, which, you know, this is what it's trying to be. Yeah. And I would say they made you excited, you know, to see what's next and excited and wait, wait, what's going to happen? Oh my God. All the twists and turns. Yeah. It took me some uh, understanding, I don't know the right word is here, but in the rewatch to, to realize what was happening in the opening action of Cap and Black Widow getting onto that boat and, and realizing what, what was happening with, with all that. Before we really even talk about Captain America in this, I got to say that Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is the MVP of this movie. She was kicking butt for sure. All sorts. She was just a great character, the development of her character, where she's still somewhat mysterious, but still letting her guard down just a little bit. Yeah, I liked that a bit, yeah, a bit uh, in certain scenes, and really the scenes where that happened were with with Cap in certain conversations, dri- and driving to the uh, the military, the abandoned military base. For me, I have to go with the mall scene because it. Oh yeah, definitely. It leads to my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe trope, and that is the trout hoodie, trope. yeah, hat, sunglasses. Huh. Sun. No one will know who that is. Hoodie had sunglasses. Well, that sounds like Fury. It does. Okay, because I don't remember Cap with Tony, sunglasses. Tony, well, Tony does the hat. Tony does the sunglasses. Falcon does it in, you know, another movie. Uh, Cap, I believe, just does the hat and the hoodie and, a, you know, a nice yes. jacket. Yes, he does. The mall scene, the walking down the hospital corridor to retrieve the zip drive, flash drive. Overall, I, I love that it's a recurring joke even, you know, between the Marvel in the Marvel fandom, you know? Well, the first recurring joke is the opening line, on your left. Which was that? Jogging around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grounds. Three, now, three times passing uh, Sam Wilson. See, I Don't I, say it. Come on! Again, that's one of those scenes in the movie that I really enjoyed, and you're going to be hearing that line from me a lot this episode. That's one of the scenes I really enjoyed. Yeah, oh, there's okay. a lot of scenes I really enjoy in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the dynamic between Cap and Falcon is fantastic. Yeah, you just get that started right away, right in the beginning, the intros after running around, the jogging and so on. Yeah. And it it works. It There is a bit of difference in personality, but they're still closely, you know, these brave, stoic kind of guys, but they do have their differences in personality. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's that i got to make them separate human beings and coming through different experiences, both of them having served as we find out. But yeah, they, you get that established right away and they're able to sort of compare notes and definitely 
mesh, work very well with each other. And it had to be. You you can only do a disservice if that was not going to be because of the comic book as precedent to this. And do you think, was there a better choice for an actor to play Falcon than Anthony Mackie? I don't know who, to line, who was in the lineup, but, but that was fine. That was just very, very good. I'm going to say this, and this is one of those things. It's it's a controversial comic opinion for me, but I've always hated Falcon's costume in the in the comics. I just feel okay. like it's a corny looking outfit, and it doesn't hold up. You well, let's see. As far as I know, there are at least two incarnations from the beginning. I'm going with 1970s, 80s. That well, era. well, in the beginning, in Captain America was a 117. The the first appearance of the Falcon. You're good. You've got sometimes. Well, it's the one that I'm missing from my run. So you know. Someone should donate it. it like, have a reap. Oh, yeah, what a donation. S- send us an email, themarvelous at gmail.com. If you have an extra copy of that just lying around, you know, <laughs> under a coffee table or something. I'm good for it. Yeah, I have it in a reprint in, in a part of another book. It's green and uh, uh, not yellow, but it's it's mustardy, I guess, or, or maybe uh, bordering on orangey. Well, I'm going color with that, that white and um White red and red. Yeah. That's the more it's so traditional corny. that we that we know from, from growing up and so on, yeah. It um, just doesn't hold up as a costume. And when you see this battle armor kind of outfit where he uses the mechanical wings, I love it. Well, if you have no experience other than seeing the Falcon of the movies, then then that's your go-to. And that's it. And others who know what he looked like before, and with his sidekick, Red Wing, which I think did come about in, oh, geez. Civil War. In Civil War, yes. So we did give get a nod to that, which was, I think, very nice. You named that. it? <laughs> yeah, you named it, right. Exactly. But I think what they're going to do, you know, with him as a character, I've I've made the prediction. If Cap doesn't survive Infinity War, we're going to get Sam Wilson, Captain America. Call okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, did, I, I was going to say I did see a uh, a beat up Iron Man helmet in in something recently that made me indicate somebody's going to get a whooping, a whooping, a big old whooping, and made me think, uh oh, who, who doesn't survive in Infinity War? Is it definite or is it speculation that somebody? It's speculation. Thank you. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> but in all honesty, it is something that's on the you know the minds of all the fans. Why? Because some somebody has to die. In, in if it's you know. not in this, it's going to be in Avengers uh, four. Okay, I know they they do that periodically in a comic book on the cover. Somebody on this cover will die. Kind of thing. It's the person standing behind the other character that you just didn't see. That's exactly. That's how I would make a comic. I would be like, Yeah, sure. You're gonna have Batman, Superman, Where and you Wonder going? Woman. I'm going over with DC right now. You just went to a different universe. But all of a sudden, there's just like somebody on this cover is going to die, and you just see like you know maybe the back of somebody's head behind Superman. <laughs> it was that guy all along. It was Bill. It was Bill. Bill's Bill. dead. Bill Clay from Die Hard. No. Now, one of the most interesting things about this movie is the choice of directors that went for this. And it's the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo. And some people were actually very hesitant when it was announced that they were going to direct this because their track record really wasn't that great prior. Like the main thing that they did before this movie in a film was You, Me, and Dupree and Welcome to Collinwood. You, Me, and Dupree was not that great of a movie. But the thing is this with these guys. They would direct on the show Arrested Development. They directed episodes of the show Community. And that's how they really got their foot in the door, you know, in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. 
and a lot of people, myself included, when I heard comedy directors are going to be making this movie, I understand there's the comedic element of Marvel stuff, but this movie is a straight-up political thriller. So to see these guys work on such serious subject matter in a Marvel movie was pretty impressive. Well, after you got over there, what are they doing part? Yeah. And when you saw this movie for the first time, what was your general general reaction to it? <sighs> Two thumbs up. It oh, was yeah. A, a very positive uh, to it. The, the a disheartening thing was to to learn about Hydra have, having infiltrated Shield all these years and it coming and it coming to the forefront. Still Hydra after all these years. Wow, you can't sing, but you're still making attempts. I'm trying. What's in that hey. water that you're drinking? I don't know. Hydrogen, oxygen, and... <laughs> but yeah, I think picking comedic directors was a very, very, very bold move. Yeah, and. To be honest, you know, going over to Star Wars real quick, giving the, you know, directing chair to the guys behind 21 Jump Street and the TV show Clone High for Han Solo initially was a bold decision. And I honestly would have loved to have seen that, you know, original version of the film before they got scrapped for Ron Howard. Because if you can have these guys make such a serious Marvel movie that honestly... It's there's no exaggeration. One of the questions that we got for this week for the podcast was from Jeff Ayers, and he says, "Why is this movie so damn good?" Yeah, and uh-huh. that is the general consensus. You wouldn't expect a movie like this to be as good as it is, because again, Marvel's track record with sequels at this point, and just it. I would say Captain America was an average movie, and I didn't think the sequel would be anything impressive. I was so very wrong. It is a good it is a very good question and thank you for that. Why is this so good? Now, maybe it's because you're you're going into it thinking it's a sequel, so what's the expectation that it won't be as good? And it just blows that away possibly. Or <laughs> you can't pinpoint why it's why it's so good. Nothing specific, but uh, you know, you break it down, you get the dichotomy, and you and you realize, well, that was a great scene, or that was a great reveal, revelation, and all those things maybe make make it good. So yeah, they definitely, again, knocked it really, really, really out of the park, and I ju- I just think picking these guys, and these guys are like the main architects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Look at some of the stuff they've done. They've done Captain America 2 to Captain America 3, and they're the cats behind Infinity War that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And they're also going to be doing next year's Avengers movie. So to be able to say, you know, these guys did a good job, they definitely did. And Civil War, when we get to that episode, man, that one was a good movie too. Wasn't as good as this one, but it was still a fun movie, and it was still engaging and it made the subject matter of guys running around in tights and masks into such serious... Yeah. It it was like a real game stakes. It Yeah, I know it did. But, High you know, stakes. Civil, civil War of its own nature is... What's so civil about war anyway? Not so... Were we going Guns N' Roses here? Mm-hmm. Ay, ay, ay. You know, it's... Or maybe you don't know. Civil War is not a good thing even in and of itself in that whole concept. So fighting each other is definitely not a, a, a positive. And thank goodness nobody got, well, take it back. War Machine and rehab, physical rehabilitation for Rhodey's injuries. You know, that was the worst of 
of the injuries from from that to happen. So, you know, it's a tempered, I'd say, good in that in that sense. And, you know, a couple people are, who don't know as much about the MCU, what, why are they fighting each other kind of thing? And what happened? What, you know, and that becomes political as well. So it, it just gives a, a real, a reality check to, to things. That's what got me back into, I think, uh, the collecting was when it was publicized, put out newspaper articles about Civil War in, was it 2005? 16. No, oh. no, the, not the most recent, but there, oh, the first the, Civil War. I believe that was 2007. Okay, seven perhaps. And, and it was going to be a seven-issue run, and then who knew that what, what was going to follow? It was actually 2006. Okay. Mm. Settle in between there. It's like the purgatory of years. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. All right, I'll wait. So I think it's kind of funny that this movie... This movie uh, resonates so well with its strength, yep. you know, overall with the tone and everything. And it makes engaging characters out of otherwise characters that were there but weren't really that, you know, strong. Like, in all honesty, Bucky is almost an afterthought in the original Captain America. He's there, and he's there for the poor, you know, for the purpose of, you know, this is what Captain America used to be. Now look at him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they build him into such a, an engaging character. And when he makes his first appearance in the film as the Winter Soldier, Mamma Mia, that's a great introduction. Like, <laughs> just that shot of him just standing there in, you know, Nick Fury's car. Yeah. I loved it. And I'm, that's the version I'm going with, the scene. You know? Right, well, that is truly the first sighting of of him just him not, showing his ability yes but not uh not knowing until his mask his the lower part comes comes off and after, after the glasses it definitely is and if you were not aware the of the fact that that's buggy this whole time if you didn't go into this as a comic book fan you immediately you i know you when you saw the army like oh crap that's buck or that's winter soldier but if you were the average comic book fan or average viewer, movie viewer, and you saw that character, you wouldn't know it's Bucky at first, would you? No. No, because you don't think of him right away, let's say. Imagine the big reveal for the person, you know, in that theater seeing that character like, Bucky? Yeah. You know, that's such a – it's also like a heartbreaking moment because you're like, wow, look what he, he has become. And heart-wrenching too. Yeah. Yeah, no, no question. And – you know, I feel like also this movie is a metamorphosis of the Captain America character. Because it's, it's, it's a change, yeah, yeah. Because you see him, he's the guy in the other movies. He's obviously, you know, out of like a man out of time and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a little bit more hammered home in the beginning, especially with that, you know, the whole his little checklist of everything that he's got to check out: oh. Star Wars, Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man. Which I have to ask you. There has to be a reason why the Russo brothers picked that. There has there, to be. There is. It's not just a random selection. And, you know, maybe if you were to listen to it more than just in the movie, I can't address that specifically because I was not familiar with, with that. So I have it sitting on my Spotify account right now. There you go. Okay, right, right. And they said soundtrack. Yeah, the whole soundtrack. As opposed to, you know, album. Yeah, it's, it's all by Marvin Gaye. Yeah. I just thought it was an album like soundtrack to me is with multiple songs to, by different artists 
end from a film. Yes. So I'm lacking in that knowledge. I'm disappointed, Eddie. It happens. Why are you lacking? Uh, lacking, slacking. I don't know. Cracking. Let's get cracking. Edda lacking. That was just terrible. Yeah. That really was. I'm disappointed in myself for that. <laughs> Where do we go? We got character development in the beginning right away with Sam Wilson. Not too far away. Here comes Black Widow in the Corvette looking for the fossil to pick up. <laughs> and before you know it, you're introduced to the character of, is it George uh, Batrock? Romulo is in there as well. Batrock the Leaper is yeah. a character in the comics who, he's a part of Cap's, you know, rogue gallery. He's honestly one of, aside from Red Skull, Modoc, uh, Arnim Zola, Baron Zemo, he's in there. He's in like the top 10 at least. Absolutely. But when you really think of that character, is he that, you know, known of a character? Is he that well-known, you know, to John Q. Public? Not really, no. but I definitely dug the usage of that character. And, I, you know, a lot of people were like, wow, Batrock was in this? Yeah, you know, it's it's a very blink and you'll miss it kind of role because he's there and he fights him, but then it's over, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's in there for a significant time, but... But I do feel he was needed. He's, you know, he was definitely a formidable foe for Cap, et cetera, setting et cetera. Up, yeah, setting up an initial storyline and having somebody who's a formidable adversary, secondary villain, maybe, if you will. Would I like to see him come back in the Marvel movies? Sure. But, you know, not to be a major player, because that would be silly. No, that would be I don't silly. think, yeah, I don't know that he ever was in the in the comics that I've read with Batroc in them, and I'm sure there's others, but, but yeah. I know he was a major, major part of the most recent Gwenpool series, where, you know, he was, oh, really? he was like, you know, mentor kind of to her, which was weird. If I remember yeah, correctly. why? Well, I don't know. Why and that? why that? Why him? That's a series, by the way. If you have not checked out, you really should. It just wrapped up. It was a twenty-five issue series by Marvel, oh, and okay. it's kind of like a lot of people are actually bummed out that that's gone. It's over with, you know. <laughs> but that's that's the kind of thing that normally is. Yeah, a lot of the runs now go that length. And Unfortunately, but if it la like if it's a staying character, like let's say Spider Man, they'll just renumber it back to the old numbering. Well, besides them, we don't even have to get into this whole renumbering system stuff. But but runs, I think it's a matter of holding the interest of the reader that it's only going for so long, and maybe that had something to do with persistent rebooting of titles in the last several years. So it's difficult, and when you go for trying to collect if you know you're missing out on that and i don't know i guess it started maybe around 2010 or so where runs were just running so many issues and then starting over again it's yeah it can be confusing but let's let's drift away back from that because we'll save that for another day uh, but yeah yeah what did you think overall about the relationship that we saw throughout this movie between cap and bucky well you know the first part is of course getting over the the shock of who he is. That reveal was fantastic. And, and then, just that look yeah. on his face, you know, he sees and realizes, Incredulous oh, and unbelieving and, uh, yeah, no, no question about it. But after that, it becomes a matter of trying to reconnect. And part of that comes about very effectively in flashbacks and key phrases or lines that are in there, like, I'm with you to the end of the line. Yeah. The, the, the emotional impactfulness of that is very, you know, it Heavy. helps with the line. Yep. Oh, it helps. 
Yes, no question. And I had to look twice when they, in the Smithsonian, referred to you know Captain America and his Howling Commandos to see that Bucky was in the lineup of six besides him in the center, and they gave three characters to the left, three to the right. Bucky, I believe, was on the on the right side. Dum dums to the left of me. Bucky's to the right. There you go. The French guy and the rest of them. Yeah. Wahoo. And the thing about the whole relationship with you know Cap and Bucky in this, to me, is that heartbreak that you see him have when he realizes this is him. And the movie pretty much ends with him saying, "I, you know, he wants to save him. Absolutely. That, he does not want to give up on him. He, that's his friendship. You know, he lost him, it's tragically, and now he's got a chance to have a, reun- a reunion, have him come back. But through brainwashing and other torturous methods, that's an obstacle that has to be somehow overcome. And, yeah, it's... I think one of the things, by the way, about this movie with Bucky that... It's a mixed bag. This is really my only complaint. In some parts of the movie, Bucky's arm looks completely fake. You know what I mean? It looks like it's just like he's wearing like, you know, it looks like a cosplayer to an extent. Like, you know, an amateur grade cosplayer with just like, you know, tinfoil on there. And then other scenes, you know, you see up close and it's like, wow, that looks really impressive. Yeah, it does. And and one of the things I wondered about, it's, it's, well, composition, although you did see when he had some damage it having been opened up and you know soldered in in a spot on the on the upper arm maybe otherwise the uh i guess stinger that circular disc that widow had thrown affected the or temporarily immobilized it but to the point where he was able to complete a circular motion to get it back like it was shaking off a a hit yeah. of some kind yeah and he's just i don't know it, it helped it did help seeing the up-close shots to, you know, rectify the far-away ones. Yeah, the up-close shot that I think of with the arm was especially right at the shoulder where you saw, you know, some skin, some perhaps some stitching, some scarring, that kind of thing that must have had to be attached. I thought when you first saw in a fuzzy flashback as he was being dragged through the snow and a bit of a blood trail, and I thought it was maybe cut off, the arm was missing at the after the elbow so they, you know, did more than just that part of the arm. Now, another one of the characters in this movie that plays a very major role is Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. Yep. And this movie got me thinking. Sam Jackson is known as a guy who always is a badass who drops the F-bomb. But the thing is this. In these movies, they do such an amazing job making him look like a badass. Yeah. Without having to resort to that, you yeah, know? Exactly. There's other ways to uh, to get that across, and it's great that they let that come through. And to, to uphold some integrity with the Marvel comic universe, keeping it like that was, was a great way to go. One of the things that I really enjoy about this movie as well is also the fight scenes. They're very well choreographed. And one of the most memorable scenes to me out of, like, when I was getting ready to watch this, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see that scene, the elevator scene. Yes, okay. And I've noticed Marvel Studios are very good at something. They're good at making scenes take place in enclosed areas, right? Yeah. Daredevil. If you watch Daredevil Season 1, Daredevil Season 2, Defenders, they're known for the hallway fights. Okay. And also, if you watch um, Luke Cage, the Bring the Ruckus scene, where, you know, Luke Cage puts on a pair of earbuds, plays the Wu-Tang Clan's uh, Bring the Ruckus, and he's getting shot at and everything. And it's just really cool, you know? But it's all enclosed. It's not, you know, big open scenes, which we had with, you know, Civil War with the airport scene. 
where right. you have more of an environment to play with. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the elevator scenes, there's, I think of two of them. I think you're going straight to the fight scene in the elevator. But I think prior to that was when Fury took Cap down into the bowels of the S.H.I.E.L.D. building, S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, um, the the Triskelion, as it was called, and him talking, Fury talking about his grandfather being an elevator operator and how times have changed and, you know, leading leading to the conversation of the insight and again, heli- helicarriers and it being, you know, fear, not uh, not freedom. And But again, scenes like that with Nick Fury, you know, him talking about, you know, his, his grandfather, you know, you see that scene and he's talking about it. And it's a very impactful scene. It gives him more of a persona. You, yep. you know more about this character now through his own family's past, you know, and it's great. Again, stuff like that, it's very helpful. It fleshes, out, it fleshes out the character and you have more of a picture and that's really good. And that's what this movie does a good job of. You don't give away everything, which people have complained about, for example, the backstory they give a little bit more to for Black Widow in Avengers Age of Ultron. I would say the less said, the better, but you can still sneak stuff out, you know? Sure, just like you did with the first Avengers movie, getting getting read in her journal and wanting to wipe that out, and her past as an assassin, growing up, learning just how to not really feel, have emotion, becoming a killer, and not without any remorse. Yeah. And, you know, what else would you say this movie benefits from? It builds on others from before. Such a good case in point, and I'm going to make this transition to Cap visiting a very aged Peggy Carter. Oh, my God. That was... And that was tough. That was kind of tough to see. Well, see, in the beginning, the conversation was, yeah, you know, you've changed so much, whatever, one to the other. And And she knew who she was talking to. But then, all of a sudden, is it really you, Steve? Has it been so long? It just really hits her that... The emotional gravitas think, of it all. It made me think she, she had a little dementia going on as well. But the thing about that scene that really affected me was his last line before the scene ends. Oh, yeah. The one, you know, he wanted to take his favorite girl out for a dance. Right. Right, exactly. That that pulls at the heartstrings. They Again, they do such a great job of doing that with the audience. You want to have those moments in these films. You want to give the audience the ability to be like, wow, that was important. And yeah, and you know what? Dropping back to the relationship between Cap and and Sam Wilson, the Falcon, you find out, I think, when Cap visits Sam after he's um, hosting a, a lecture, that he, Sam Wilson, lost a wingman. Yeah, it's like it was like named, an AA. Uh, Riley. Like it was um for PTSD victims. Okay, yeah. You know, during um war. Yeah. It shows so much fleshing out to these characters, and I appreciate that. And, yeah, just overall, I would say this is going to be one of the really hard-to-top Marvel movies for us, you know, to watch. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm, I know I'm jumping around here, too, but there was something that, uh, that Peggy Carter had said about starting over that when it got to another point in the movie, I said, wait a minute, this this seemed to be similar thinking. And that was when Cap is talking with um, Alexander Pierce, the Robert Redford character, uh, that he's we saying... We have to get to him. Yeah, to, to build a better world sometimes means having to tear the old one down. And she referred to that, and you know, and that causes enemies. Robert Redford as a Marvel villain is something that I didn't know I <laughs> wanted until it happened. <laughs> right. And yeah. he's such a swarmy but 
diabolical villain, and it worked. It worked so it well. Did. It really did. Yeah, yeah. You know, you find you, you're introduced to these characters, and you perceive them in in one capacity, and then it turns into just the opposite, and you're kind of like somewhat, not literally, of course, but knocked out of your chair to realize what, what? you know, and even the re- the reveal about Hydra being in there all this time. When it was I think Hydra, you, it was Hydra all along. When you find out when Cap and Widow go to the uh, military, abandoned military base in Wheaton, New Jersey. Now, how about that? I think of Will Wheaton. From Star Trek? Yeah. Is that the same spelling, maybe? Uh, Might be. But finding that, you know, you're standing in Ar- Arnim Zola's brain with all the computer banks and so on, 200,000 feet of, com- yeah, that statistic that was there that he said. That was kind of cool, having this 1940s equipment, but he, uh, his brain, the most important part of him perhaps, retained in this system. That was activated by the flash drive that Nick Fury had given to Cap, saying, don't trust anyone. So yeah, just jumping back to, again, the close quarter scene with the, the elevator. I don't even know how many people get into that elevator. And Cap says, before we get started, does anybody want to get out? Uh, maybe he's clued, cued in because of the one guy who's sweating. But but then I think they at some point said, uh, yeah, something on the 25th floor. The elevator gets to drop a little bit. And how many floors does Cap jump out of? And he's able to miraculously land on his shield and just, you know, be sore getting up. But that's just, I don't know, 24 floors, 23 floors. It's it's unreal. And well, you know course, what I thought was miraculous? That I actually recognized who Sitwell was in this movie finally. Did you finally, re- oh, yeah, yeah. finally realize it was Sitwell? Yeah, no, he was in, on the ship in the beginning and said that one line, I told you, shield doesn't negotiate. And now, you know, he's he's kind of calling the shots in Command Central saying, okay, this is level one, all eyes on me. This guy, Twitter, anything, it comes through here. And why? Because he's a fugitive now because he's supposedly withholding information. Well, did you notice something he said, by the way, a certain name he references? I'm going to tell you in a minute how many different names he references when he's gone after by Cap, Falcon, and Black Widow on the rooftop. Oh, I know what scene we're talking about. But we're going we're going there, exactly right. And, you know, going back to some comedic elements, the, the Widow-Cap scene in the mall, the kissing, the laughing, distracting, and so on, and it was at your first kiss since 1945, and I'm 95, I'm not dead, that, that whole thing. Finding the old, well, shield bunker in there with Cap and Widow and seeing the pictures of Howard Stark and Peggy Carter next to it. But notice... She says to him, who's the girl? He doesn't say anything and just, you know, moves on to whatever the next in the uh, in the conversation. And again, you find out Hydra that uh, what did they what did Zola say? He grew, grew Hydra grew a beautiful parasite inside shield. And of course, the algorithm. Oh, and then Romulu saying, you know, call in the asset. Another word for Winter Soldier, I guess. Another another code for uh, for that. So and some more good stuff developing and showing the. XO, XO7's uh, Falcon outfit and seeing that happen, getting Sitwell, and then him rambling on what the algorithm is. I think overall just the scene with Zola, you know, seeing him as a living computer was one of the most bizarre but fascinating scenes in the whole film. Yeah, yeah. And if it helps to know that, you know, Zola's algorithm is a program for choosing insight targets... And who? Well, you, meaning Cap. And these might just be random people. A TV anchor in Cairo, an other secretary of defense, a high school valedictorian in Iowa City. And then you know, and then you hear Bruce Banner, Stephen Strange, anyone who's a threat to Hydra now or in the future. That's scary. And I didn't see the Tom Cruise movie Minority Report 
But being able to know what might happen and to prevent it, that's actually some scary stuff. Hopefully not anything based in uh, reality. So, Man, Stephen Strange. wonder if I'll ever hear that name again. Yeah, I think so. Or they just decided to rattle off names that have the same initial and first and last names. You never Peter Parker. Could have done Peter Parker also. Why not? It's possible. That's could be could be very possible, right? Exactly. And again, I would say when it comes to the ending of this movie, it's very impactful and very intense. You know, just that whole final battle between Cap and Bucky and the apprehension that Cap doesn't want to do anything to him. He doesn't want to hurt him. He doesn't want to destroy him. He wants to save his friend, and that's the most endearing thing about the Captain America-Bucky relationship. Well, let me give you another endearing. The Stan the Man Lee scene as Where a security to... guard in the Smithsonian. Which is coming up literally as you're speaking. If On you turn the TV around. right now. Okay. Oh, man, I am so fired. The Captain America costume on the mannequin is missing because if you got to fight a war, you got to have a uniform. And that's what they're gearing up to to do. And that has, and then you also have the reintroduction sort of of Maria Hill. I love that he went back though to the old school Captain America costume. Yeah, because while I, you know, it does look silly seeing the helmet and everything, but it works if that makes sense. You know what? It's not. Well, you said helmet right away. I thought of the fight with Batroc where he removed his headpiece, which was really. Not a not a not any hard hat helmet type of sense. Plus, I didn't realize that uh, that Cap understood and spoke French, or Batroc was uh, Algerian, as Pierce had reminded us, essentially. But I believe it was it was French that they were speaking. So he versed in many in many things, and um, and another, you know again another funny scene with with Falcon playing his part before he's de-winged by the Winter Soldier. Falcon catches Cap and says, "You're a lot heavier than you look," and you know I had a big breakfast. Ah, uh, just, just I like just stuff like that. Cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, now going towards the end of the movie, we're going to go with the mid-credit scene because we know what's going to happen next. We're going to see you know Cap find Bucky and stay tuned for Captain America three for some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but what I liked about the mid-credit scene was we got to see an introduction of two characters that you know I have a theory about something why a certain word was used. We end up seeing. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch show up. And they're called something that starts with an M. They're not called mutants. They're called miracles. Miracles, yes. I was thinking the twins. Why did they call them miracles? Maybe they weren't supposed to live. They weren't supposed to survive in in birth. Um, But what else starts with M? Magneto. Mittens. But also mutants. It's all about the mittens. Okay. Just hearing miracle for that was... That was a very interesting choice. Definitely interesting choice of word to use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the final after credit scene with Bucky in the Smithsonian and a realization of who he is and or and or was. Just some creepy, weird sound music that, that happened at the very end as well. Bordering on scary, just like at least in one of the fight scenes with uh, on the street scene, the bus overturned, the, the getting machine gunned bullets all throughout it and so on just yeah aces all the way with this movie and eddie what we're gonna do is i actually cataloged it this time so i have my proper ranking nice well for yours but me you know whatever for this movie i if i have to give it a rating out of five if you have to i will are you kidding me five out of five well i'm right there and so here we go with our rankings of the marvel cinematic universe for me Number nine, Thor The Dark World. Number eight, Iron Man 3. 
number seven, Incredible Hulk, number six, Iron Man 2, number five, Captain America, number four, The Avengers, number three, Thor, number two, Iron Man, and as I said, this is going to be an experience for me where th- certain movies move and are changed with the rewatches. Number one, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And there you go. Eddie, yourself? Uh, you know, there's ties. There are ties, but at the bottom of the list with a three and a half is Thor The Dark World. So that would be my number nine. Then we go to The Incredible Hulk, followed by Iron Man 3. And our t- bottom three is literally the same. Yeah, okay. And then it's Iron Man 2. There's a tie of Thor and Captain America, the first Avenger. And then a three-way tie with fives all around for Iron Man, the Avengers, and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And I'm not breaking them down further. They will sit as ties. Not bow ties? Not bolo ties? No. Disappointed. Not, Not today. Disappointed. So, Eddie, before we go, what is next week's movie? Guardians of the Galaxy. I as might he ha- is beaming there, which waiting for me to say, it's Guardians. I can't believe it. It's finally happening. I'll be bringing some certain things for our little photo shoot beforehand, but believe oh, me, people. Yeah, he will. He it's, better. It's going to be fun. And I might be in costume during the recording. So, <sighs> yeah. Fair warning. Van Halen. So now before we go, how can people get a hold of us on social media? Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Find us on the Twitter at The Marvelists. Find us on Instagram at The Marvelists. It's, it's a recurring thing. And then their email? The Marvelists. At gmail.com. And also follow us separately. Myself, at Peter Melnick. Yourself? At EWilson959. And once again, going back to that email address, drop us a line, constructive criticism, positive feedback. Words of encouragement, love letters, poetry, cooking recipes, whatever you can send us, and strongly worded letters. Themarvelous at gmail.com. Send us fan photos. Send us, uh, or send us fan art. I want to see fan art. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, whatever floats your boat. Me is, you know, Star-Lord. You is Captain Ed Merica. Uh, perhaps. And also, you can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Go in five stars if you ever feel like doing that. If you like the show, five start. Spread the word around. Let people know that you like this show. Go share it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Friendster, MySpace. A homeless guy behind, you know, you know, a cardboard box. I don't care. But Jeez. let the people know that you're listening to the show and let them know you're enjoying it. And you can also listen to this show on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices, and SoundCloud, available for all iOS and Android devices. So, for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!